So one of the questions I got from podcast episode I did a few weeks back on training plateaus was specifically about movement patterns and how we create them. And I figured this is actually a really good opportunity to talk about how movement patterns are created and like the things that I do specifically with my clients to help foster an environment where someone can create new movement patterns. Now, so the thing with it, I think, and this is where a lot of people struggle with, and maybe this is what you struggle with your training, is that we you can we tend to get really good at doing certain exercises, right? Or if you practice yoga, you tend to get really good at doing certain poses, whatever whatever it is you're good at, standing poses, seated poses, or maybe you exercise in the gym. You're good at doing pull-ups or you're good at doing something. And you build the strength from those poses and you feel you feel in the context of what you're doing, you feel really strong. But then when you try to transfer that strength or you tend to apply that strength to something else, then all of a sudden it doesn't feel like you have any of it at all. And one of the classic examples of that is, and this is what I see a lot, maybe you can be really good at doing, you have a routine you do for your core, like core exercises. And you feel like when I'm really strong, I can do all sorts of different movements. But then when I try to transfer that core strength into say doing a press handstand or maybe something different like swinging a tennis racket or anything else that requires strength and stability in your core, it's not there. It's non-existent, right? And it's a puzzling thing. Like you see this a lot too, which is people can have really strong cores, but really bad balance, right? So why is that? Why is it that you can have a strong core and terrible balance when in reality, core is supposed to help your balance. And it all boils down to movement patterns, right? And this is where a lot of people get stuck. And so understanding how this works and understanding how you can actually change your body through this process is the key to understanding, right? And this is one of the main things that we do with clients in Body Breakthrough is we help them to change their movement patterns and to create more empowering patterns that help them with their goals, right? So like I've said, press handstand is just a series of movement patterns that you're putting together for your body to execute the movement. Now, some people really struggle with this, right? They have deeply ingrained habits or patterns that their body likes to replicate. And it's very hard to break hold of. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind, right? And what's really interesting is if you study neuroplasticity and you study how the brain can change and you can study also how the brain and the body are linked together, the science is very complex on it and it's always changing. And even to this day, we don't fully understand the link between our brain, our thought process and our muscles and the way they work. It's a very complex thing. But humans, despite all that, are able to create different movement patterns all the time. So one of the things, one of the things with movement patterns specifically that are so powerful is realizing that there's a term, it's called proprioception, right? And proprioception is our body's ability to sense ourselves in space. It's our body's ability to be aware of our surroundings and to be fluid and to be very, to be very reactive and aware of our environment of what's going on, right? Real time changes, 
And there are split second changes that happen sometimes if we're upside down or we're balancing that being having a high level of proprioception allows someone to make those changes in real time. Or like in a press handstand, for example, if you're pressing into the ground and there's too much, you feel like you feel like your shoulders are taking over your, that proprioceptive element of your brain allows you to click in literally milliseconds switch from your shoulders to say, Hey, I'm going to move out of my shoulders and I'm going to move into my lats real time. It's like a switch and it's like an awareness thing that starts to happen and developing proprioception and developing body awareness like that and reactionary speed to recognize something, to be aware enough that a muscle is acting in a certain way, but you want to flip that muscle off and flip on another one, but not necessarily turn the muscle off since muscles are never really truly off in some movement. Like your shoulders, for example, is you want to minimize it. Yeah. You want to realize, Hey, instead of 90% here, I want to be like 20% here and I want to be 80% of my back and making that switch almost in real time. So that proprioceptive element is really good. And another way to understand proprioception is to realize Two, it's not just our body awareness, but it's our bodies. It's the ability for our body to move independent of our vision. And what that means is a lot of what we, a lot of the time, the reason we struggle with technical skill, like press handstand is what's considered a tech, a really highly technically demanding skill is because most of the way our balance, we've trained our balances to be very vision dependent. Meaning if you notice, for example, like our motor skills will kick in. Like if we're walking, imagine you're walking down the street and you like trip on a curb and you're walking around your neighborhood or you like trip on a rock or something. The way we regain our balance is, and pay attention to this next time you trip and fall, the way we regain our balance is we shift our vision, right? So We tend to look in the direction that we feel like we're falling, and that is the trigger for our foot to kind of plant and stabilize ourselves, right? So we're vision dependent on our balance, and we tend to, without even realizing it, we utilize our vision to create balance. And that's and it's true too, like even if you're in a yoga class, right, and you're doing a pose and you're balancing on one leg, and you start to lose your balance... You tend to look in the direction that you feel like you're falling to regain stability first, right? So that's another, that's an example of vision dependent balance, which is if I am going to fall, I can have a reflexive movement in my head to train my eyes to look in the direction that I'm going to fall to help myself restabilize, right? That's part of the restabilization process or part of the balancing process. Now, what's tricky with inversions, and this is just the way humans are designed, is if we lose our balance on our feet, our head is free to swivel, right? But if we lose our balance on our hands, our head is fixed. We don't have that same level of vision that we do in movement when we are on our hands, like a press handstand, for example, is we plant our hands into the ground, our head is fixed, our vision is fixed, we can't just swivel our head 180 degrees, move our body and look behind us like we could if we're on our feet. So we have a narrower scope of vision, which means that we don't have that same luxury. So 
that level of proprioception means coming in and learning to use your muscles correctly and learning to build the internal foundation and that connection between your brain, the link between your brain and the link between your muscles to actually work. And this is all part of the move, the movement pattern building process. So one of the things like, and this is like another level of plateaus, another area of plateaus in practice. And this may explain why, for example, like if you're stuck in your practice and you're like an advanced yoga practitioner, you have a really good skill set of things. But when, whenever you move outside of that skill set of things you're good at, it's very hard or you feel like there's certain areas where you just don't make progress. So one of the things, and this is, this is also, if you're a yoga teacher, this is also very important to pay attention to is that there is an under, there is an under, people tend to underestimate the power of a language and the power of cues, right? So one of the things that I have worked very extensively to develop, and this is something that I really learned working with clients, something I learned completely outside of the classroom set. But a general observation of mine is that different people respond differently to different cues and different language, right? And the downside, like, for example, of yoga is a lot of teachers use cookie cutter cues or language that students hear over and over again to where they tune. And so I see a lot of the issue with people who are stuck and especially stuck with press handstand is they have the same, they're getting the same cueing, right? Which is press into your hands, lift like this, pull your hips over this way. And those familiar cues tend to shut off the brain to producing a new movement. So if you change the language and working with different clients with all sorts of different body types, I've developed a large vocabulary of different ways to say things that get people's muscles to fire differently and to work differently. And that's one of the advantages of working with a coach and someone who sees your practice, understands your body, is this by far is a game changer, right? Like I, I see this with people, especially more advanced practitioners, which is sometimes it's simple shifts in language of the way they hear things that is a trigger for their body to then do something different right? Like you may say something in the same way. You may be used to hearing engage your core in a certain way or to use your arms in a certain way. But the second you hear it in a different context, that's a cue, right? That's a cue that we first hear and we digest internally first, right? There's a moment where our brain hears the cue and based on the way our brain receives that information and filters it, there's then the trickle-down effect into the muscles and the muscle works in a certain way. So the languaging side of it is really important. And so oftentimes you can create huge changes in the human body by simply giving them a different set of giving them a different set of language or understanding. And that's why, too, part of the process is not just building building proprioception, but also in creating a movement pattern and helping clients to create new movement patterns, you help them to create those new patterns by giving them different language. And that's one of the things that I do is it's one of the first things I do with clients is I can snap them out of whatever area they're stuck in their practice by simply giving them different language and different cues around where their body is stuck. That helps them to overcome that plateau. And that's why 
that's why sometimes too, if you go, imagine you go, you have similar yoga class you go to, right? And this is like a really good example, maybe like Ashtanga. A lot of Ashtanga teachers all say the same thing in the same way, right? Very similar variations of things. But then you go to a different teacher, a different style of yoga, and you may do a pose that's in Ashtanga outside of the sequence, out of the context, mixed into a flow. Say it's a vinyasa class, you're doing some Ashtanga pose in a vinyasa class. Different order, different teacher, different setting. And the teacher says it in a completely different way. Your body absorbs it differently, right? Like your body will then absorb it differently. Your brain hears and filters the information differently. And then it trickles it down to your muscles differently. And the muscles react in a different way, right? That's a really powerful, powerful tool in creating movement patterns. And like the great thing is, for example, so one of the, one of the hurdles of press handstand that I think a lot of people don't even realize is a hurdle because there's so much stigma and focus around the upper body is that the hip flexors have to be strong enough. So mechanically in a press handstand, because our legs are off the ground, our hip flexors have to be strong enough to support the weight of our legs, right? And the role of the, like our hip flexors for regular humans traditionally is just when we walk, right? We just walk And when we bend the knee and lift the leg up, we need enough strength in the hips to physically lift our leg off the ground and take a step forward. Now, in a press handstand, we need even more strength in the hip flexors because our legs are actually moving through the air. They're moving from the ground up into a handstand. And as a result, learning to engage your hip flexor, learning to have the strength is important, but learning to engage them correctly is what is key to making them is to making the press happen, right? You have to have that engagement in the hips to support the legs through that process from the ground up. So that's like a cueing thing, right? There's a big cueing thing and different people hear hip cues very differently, right? And actually sometimes identifying hip, identifying different cues via different muscles in the hips all respond, people all respond different, but that's how you can build a new movement pattern. That's how you can create something that becomes long-term pattern integrated into it. So having that, like having that ability to use language to start to shift or change in someone is a really key part of the process because Building a movement pattern isn't just a building a movement pattern just isn't about moving the body, but it's how the brain filters information that it hears to then decipher that for the muscle to engage. If you change the way the brain hears something, you're going to change the way the brain processes it. And when you change the way the brain processes it, the muscles work differently. So that is a very important part to the process is cueing is simply saying, hey, if I can take, and everyone's different on this, right? Like a general set of cueing just doesn't work for an entire population. Everyone responds differently to a different set of cueing, right? So if you've never actually had that, like that's one of the things people ask all the time. Because I talk about movement patterns, I really talk about how I create the movement patterns. But this is one of them, which is through cueing, right? And the message I got on Instagram the other day reminded me, like, let me talk about actually how I create these patterns. So different language and different cueing, that's how you help people get through plateaus, 
which is let's present things in a completely different way and say things. So the language they hear is different. And then in turn, sparks the muscle to respond in a different way. That's also another way to build strength when people get stuck is just give them a new cue. Give them things they haven't heard before and then that's ultra powerful. Now, another way that we create movement patterns that's ultra important is through mirror neurons. So mirror neurons, if you're not familiar with these, they're basically, it's like, it's a type of brain cell that flips on and it performs actions based on when we see someone else doing them, right? And so this is one of those things where when you see someone do something correctly, the brain embodies it, right? So sometimes like I, so sometimes I hear, so one of the things that I'm really big on is when you watch people do things the right way, you can absorb the skill even quicker because your body is your the mirror neurons in your brain are physically attuning themselves to what they're seeing and they help your body digest it quicker so like sometimes clients will say and i always remind them of this is they're like when i demonstrate the different exercises and i demonstrate the things that i'm doing i have like very specific videos in there like part of the training is to watch the videos they're very short very short just clips that are just seconds long but they're me doing them and i'm demonstrating them in a right way so that whoever the client is watching these videos can actually flip on their mirror neurons flip on start to copy it which is why sometimes if someone says can i see a regular person doing these exercises, what a regular person looks like. You don't want to watch a regular person do the exercises because you're going to train your mirror neurons to replicate the wrong movement. And that's where the other process of of patterning comes into play. And this, by the way, is why I don't have the statistic like off the top of my head, but I remember reading this a while back. Like if a parent, if a child's parent was a professional athlete, they have, it was like a 42 times or 44. So that's, that is 4,000, 4,200% 4, or 4,400% greater chance of becoming a professional athlete than parents, than kids who have parents that weren't professional athletes. And the reason that's true is because if a child is watching their parent swing a golf club, for example, or kick a soccer ball or throw a football, or swing a baseball bat, they're, get, they're literally, the hack there is that they're literally downloading the exact correct patterning into their brain to execute it. So that's why if a child's dad was a professional basketball player, they're going to become a professional basketball player. Look at LeBron James' kids, right? They learn from him. Look at Tiger Woods' son, right? He learns to swing a golf club from Tiger Woods. Right. So it's a really, really powerful tool. The mirror neurons, when you have, the, when you have the correct format. So that's why I, that's why I like, it's part of the process and part of the training process is if you watch me do exercises correctly, it accelerates the progress because now your mirror neurons have something correct to model, which then when you combine that with language and when you combine that with proprioception, you now are giving your body an opportunity. You're now 
setting your body up in a way which is primed to create newer, more correct patterns, right? And these are all things that these are all things that are behind the surface. These are things that like YouTube videos and general stuff can't teach you because everybody's body is different. And that's why you can see that. And this is why like you can look at drills and they've got so many videos on YouTube, millions and millions of hours, I'm sure, of content on it. But it doesn't work because these critical elements are not there, right? Like they, they just aren't there and the cueing or the exercises or what they're seeing is not actually helping them to get there. So building strength is fine, but then putting those pieces together is really powerful. And your body's ability, because sometimes people tend to think like, it's not possible for I'm, I'm too old or my body, I have such deep rooted patterns, my body doesn't change. And this is oftentimes people with injuries that have had big back injuries or shoulder injuries, and they have not been able to change their body in any meaningful way. They tend to say, I'm stuck in my ways. But for example, I'll give you a really great exercise, which if you want to prove to your body the power of how new movement patterns are created, like a more complex one, if you have a basketball, for example, you can take a basketball and you can dribble it in one hand and you have to go to a wall. So you need a basketball and you need a tennis ball for this, right? Like you can take a basketball and you can throw the basketball or dribble the basketball in one hand. And then at the same time, take the tennis ball, throw the tennis ball up against the wall and let it bounce on the ground and catch it. So simultaneously what you're doing is you're dribbling a basketball in one hand and you're throwing a ball, a tennis ball up against a wall with the other hand and you're catching the tennis ball while dribbling the basketball at the same time. So one thing is for sure, the first time that you try to do that, it's going to be odd. You're going to, you're going to feel completely tangled. It's like your body's going to feel so tangled to where it's, I don't know what to do. This is really weird. I can't do either because now I'm trying to put them together, but doing them separate is fine. But when I put them together, it's difficult and you can try that and you'll get better. And the thing with it, that's crazy is you can get better at doing it. That's your body. That's your body. That's proving to your body that you can create a new movement pattern, but then you can switch it. And then once you learn it, put the basketball in your other hand and put the tennis ball in your non-dominant throwing hand and then try it again. And you'd be like, wow, now it's even more strange. Now it's even more weird that I'm having to go and relearn this. And that's very similar. So that, while that may seem like it's in a completely different realm, that's very similar to a press handstand in that there are lots of things individually that you can do like you may have a strong core, you may be able to do an L-sit, you may have a strong back, you may be able to do pull-ups and different things, individual exercises. But then when you try to combine them all together into a press handstand, now the body can't do it, right? Then you can't make any progress on that. And that's very similar to this exercise with the tennis ball and the basketball, is that you can probably dribble a basketball on your own. You can probably throw a tennis ball up against a wall of some sort on your own and do it. But the second you combine them, it becomes exponentially more difficult. And then that's where you need the tools and the skill set to put them together. It's a really, really powerful tool 
to have in your toolkit to realize like that's where progress comes from, right? That's where progress comes from is being able to combine all of these different ways to move and turn them into patterns, right? It's to effectively turn them into movement patterns. And that's why like in the process of press handstand, it's like the strength building is not enough as much as the pattern building and being able to create these new movement patterns is a very powerful part of the process. And so leveraging all of those things is ultimately how you change, right? Like, like strength is just a catalyst, like for building, for building muscle, but movement patterns are a catalyst for movements, right? For new movements. And so having to create those things, like that's, that's like part of the process, which is sometimes people will say, cause I know one of the biggest challenges that people have is they feel really strong in certain exercises. It's kind of like I said at the beginning of the show is that they feel really strong in certain exercises, but then in others, they feel completely weak or they feel like the strength is not transferable in any way. Like this, the transferable, like I can, I'm really strong at core, but I'm really bad at balance. I'm really strong at core, but handstands feel impossible to me in that way. Yeah, that's normal. That's, there's a lot of patterning that has to go into play and there's things that you have to change in order to make that actually happen. So that's a really, that's a really key part of the process. Cause like people will ask for the testimonials and watch the videos of what people say. They're all over the place, but what makes it really different is that th- there's a really large focus on making sure whoever is in front of me is building the correct movement patterns to succeed. That's important. That's what you need in order to move forward. So I hope that gives you a little bit of insight, like into the process of saying, okay, movement patterns is something that's so powerful. And I talk about creating movement patterns, but these are some of the ways of how, right? And these are things where you can learn and you can develop. And that's how you can start to learn skills that you previously weren't able to do, which is, and that's why when someone says, I don't think I'm capable, I've got this body type or X body type, or I'm too old, whatever. It's all the same. Humans build movement patterns fundamentally in the same way. The things that they need to do to create the patterns are different, right? So everyone has a different, have a different trigger, right? Which is different humans respond to different triggers, which then signal the brain to work the muscles in a different way. And over time, those just become patterns, right? That's all I've got for you on today's show. If you are interested in working with us, And going through this process, the links are all in the show notes and you can follow the details there. And if you have questions, you can also shoot me a message on Instagram. And one other thing, if this was beneficial for you and you learned something, please do tag me in a story and let me know. Let me know what you've learned. My Instagram is all the details and everything is in the show notes. You can just go in there and click the link and do that. I would greatly appreciate that. If you could also take some time to leave a review for this podcast, and if you know another yogi or another practitioner who is working on their press handstand, or just a yoga teacher in general who is interested in this kind of stuff and wants to learn these kind of things, please do share this with them. I would also greatly appreciate that. So that's all I've got for you on today's show. Have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon.